Welcome. I've never had so many introductions in one morning and so many descriptions of me in shorts and various other things. It's really intense. Uh, I've actually got a talk to do as well. This is crazy. Um, last week, Mark started off us on a, on a brand new mini-series. We followed with Andy Smith from Belfast Vineyard talking about Pentecost. Uh, and we just thought, what a wonderful time to spend and a moment we should dig into the Holy Spirit and answer the question, who is he and what does he do and how do we walk with him in life? And so Mark had this genius idea, especially if we have half term halfway through this, is why don't we just use the Alpha talks from the Holy Spirit day? And I just thought this was one of his most magnificent ideas. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Oh, you want me to do a talk? Maybe I'm not so keen. No, okay, we'll go with it. It's fine. Um, and so that's what we did. And Mark picked us off last or kicked us off last week talking about who is the Holy Spirit, a great subject and a great topic. And uh, one of the things I loved about what he said, uh, amongst all of the good teaching, was for many of us, this may be revisiting this subject, um, but for others, it may be a taster uh, for what's to come. You know, maybe you'll do an alpha course later in the year. But I'm really excited. It's such a wonderful series. Now, on the Holy Spirit Day, the Encounter Day, as, uh, uh, as the guys called it recently, um, there's three talks. There's who is the Holy Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit do, and how do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? Um, I usually do the first and the last talk on the Holy Spirit Day, and, and then the what does the Holy Spirit do is usually done by Jenna. And somehow I found myself doing this talk this time, so it's a bit fresh for me, and uh, I'm really excited about it. But all of this was in preparation during half term. Hopefully you guys have had an amazing half term, whatever that looks like. Uh, we went to the beach one of these days. It's been pretty much good weather, most of it. Um, I even managed to watch a few movies in the process. We watched Raya and The Last Dragon yesterday. That was fantastic. Uh, and then the other night, me and my wife sat down and we sat and watched the Mauritanian. Has anyone seen that? Uh, Mauritanian. Now, I'm fairly uneducated, okay? So I'm half Mauritian. And I thought, this is going to be about, you know, the island of my ancestors, because I'm half Mauritian, it's Mauritanian, there's some kind of loose... It's not. It's nothing to do with that. It's all about Guantanamo Bay and the horrendous but powerful story. That, that took us by surprise, for sure. But do you know what's incredible about the Mauritanian story is it's all true. It's a true story. And one of the things that's amazing about true stories is how captivating they are, how realistic they are, how they dig into us. There's something about true stories that's, that's phenomenal because what it does is it, it takes you from this Hollywood ideal to this reality that that person existed and they overcame a situation that's relatable. And maybe as I'm watching this, I might be inspired. Maybe I have hope to overcome some impossible situations and be that person in my life too. And I love that kind of idea, that scope. And it got me thinking about some other movies, Hidden Figures. Has anyone seen that? Which is a great movie. Three incredible women, uh, black women, who overcame both racial and gender divides, lived in and overcame them, to send people into space. I mean, this is incredible. Or another one, Imitation Game. Uh, where Benedict Cumberbatch, I love this movie as well, I'm a big fan of movies, Benedict Cumberbatch plays the um, Alan Turing, I believe it is, uh, imitation game, and I love the quote that's said of this movie, sometimes it takes the person who no one believes in, oh sorry, the, the one, sorry, let me start again, sometimes it takes the person that no one imagines anything of to do the thing that no one can imagine, isn't that captivating, Titanic, that basically is this whole story that grandmas have crazy stories to tell. 
That's pretty much all I got from the movie. Okay, not a great example of a true story. King's Speech, um, again, someone who's forced into the public realm, public figure, but over, having to overcome a debilitating and embarrassing speech impediment. And then finally, Hacksaw Ridge. Has anyone seen Hacksaw? Is anyone a fan of Hacksaw? I love that movie. Um, Andrew Garfield's portrayal of a ridiculed and persecuted uh, Christian who is determined to remain a pacifist even in the midst of war. These are fantastic movies. But let me ask you another question. Has anyone seen The Chosen? You guys are, either you're not engaging or no one's seen any TV in this room. I'm, I'm going to look at you guys instead. I'm going to imagine more hands up at home. And The Chosen is this incredible series, uh, not just based on Jesus. What I love about The Chosen, and you can download the app, it's probably the best way, or look at it on YouTube, uh, but it's one of those stories that actually tells it from people's perspective who encountered Jesus. It takes it from the perspective of those everyday men who are facing everyday struggles, or those women who had been branded by society, or the educated who were asking intense questions and, being a, and, and finding themselves not having the answers. These people, each one of them, not just seeing something, not just hearing about something, but experiencing the reality of God's love and the reality of Jesus' life in their reality. That's what I love about these, uh, the, the chosen. Now, I found it hard. I, some people kind of just enjoyed it. I found it hard not to leave every single episode in awe and most of the time in tears about what it was like for people to encounter and experience that love of God from going from just hearing about it to experiencing it themselves. At the very beginning of the Holy Spirit Day, the Encounter Day, we... Um, I always tell this story because it's one that really grabs me every single time. It's about a lady who came to church and she was devastated. She was broken when she came to church because her son had been killed in a hit and run um, incident. It wasn't even an accident, an incident. Um, and you can imagine the devastation that she was facing. She came to church, a friend brought her here. And she says this when, when I was talking to her. She said, I'd only been coming to church for a few weeks when one Sunday morning, I started crying in the service. Something I had promised myself I would not do, but I just couldn't control it. And then during the prayers, I felt these loving arms wrap around me. And I then realized that they were God's arms. Just a powerful experience. You see, this talk is entitled, What Does the Holy Spirit Do? Let me summarize what I believe the Holy Spirit does and then I'll unfold it. See, I believe that the Holy Spirit brings the reality of the Father's love and Jesus' life into our reality. The Holy Spirit brings the reality of the Father's love and Jesus' life into our reality. You see, without the Spirit, this is an amazing, true story, and one you can like read over and over again and be in awe of. This all happened. This is all history. But what the Holy Spirit does is it goes from being a true story to being your story, where you are part of this story. In Romans 5.5, one of my favorite verses and the one I often go to is God's love has been poured out through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 
God's love has been poured out tangibly, reality-wise, through the Holy Spirit into our lives. You see, the absolute truth is that God has always loved you. He's always pursued you. He's always wanted you. He's always wanted to walk with you, live with you, love you, show you, demonstrate, and experience that love in your life. That's the absolute truth. Whether we believe it or not, whether we live it or not, that's the truth. And what the Holy Spirit does is it starts to make that an absolute reality in our current day and every day from this moment onwards. So if the Holy Spirit brings the reality of God's love and Jesus' life into our reality, what does that look like? Well, simply put, because it's a preach and because it's based on the Holy Spirit Day, there's four points. The first thing he does is he sets us into a new family. The second thing he does is he gives us a new intimacy or new relationship. The third thing he does is he gives us a new experience. And the final thing he does is he reveals our new inheritance. Okay, first of all, new family. This is all in Romans 8. Uh, We're using a very beautiful verse in Romans 8. Um, Romans is a fantastic book about the journey of uh, of people who are kind of new to faith, um, really deep, but takes them through what God has done. And then at one point in the the book of Romans, it flips, usually I think it's chapter 5, it flips from this is fact to this is what starts to become reality through the Holy Spirit. And Romans chapter eight is after Romans chapter seven where people are struggling with this, Paul is struggling with this, and then Romans eight just is an entire chapter dedicated on what does life look like when walking with the Holy Spirit. And so Romans chapter eight, verse 14 onwards. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. So under Roman law, a bit of context, a bit of background for this. Under Roman law, if someone wanted an heir, if someone who owned a piece of land or owned an estate wanted an heir, someone to pass this on to, they could choose one of their own sons or they had an alternative. They could adopt one of their workers or their slaves to be as one of their sons and pass on their uh, estate to that person. If they chose to adopt that person, whoever it was, a slave or a worker, then that person would no longer be a slave, but they would be considered a son. The son, they would take on the highest status in the family. That's what Paul is explaining here. So what Paul's trying to explain in our context is when we were adopted by Jesus, when we were adopted by Christ, what we did is we were adopted into God's family. And he's not saying this, is, this isn't just for men. He's not saying that. What he's trying to explain is that the son had the highest status in the family. So whether you're male or female, young or old, it's not about where you come from. It's about you being given the highest status, the status that in Romans' time that the son would have had. And so one of privilege and esteem. So when we follow Jesus, our state, our status is permanently changed and it cannot be changed back. This is absolutely crucial and absolutely incredible when we think about it, that it's not earned. This is not something we earn. It's not something we get through good behavior. This is a choice that the master, the whoever it is in charge, it's a choice that they make. And choice is so much more valuable than chance. You see, it's that story of the little boy who was in the playground, the adopted boy, and the, all the other people in the playground, the other kids were being rude and mean, and they were basically saying, well, your parents obviously didn't want you. And he said, look, I'm adopted. My parents chose me. 
Yours are just left with you. <laughs> when Jenna does this talk, she has this incredible story. And um, uh, she, she knows that, or she found out that her father uh, was adopted at quite a young age. But in the process of looking up his heritage, they discovered that he might be part of the Russian royal family, which is not hard to see when you see Jenna, right? She kind of exudes that Russian royalty in some way, whatever that looks like. Um, but growing up for her, it wasn't ridiculous for her to imagine being this princess that has not yet been identified, this part of this royal family in some other country, and imagine that that suddenly gets, you know, knock at the door and someone calls you out for who you are and whisks you off and you start to live this luxurious royal life. I can imagine the magical feeling as a child experiencing that, but even as adults, that would be amazing. And I love the way that Jenna's story, and you can ask Jenna about it. But that is exactly what it's like when we're adopted by God. You see, we're just living our normal life, getting on with our normal business, and then suddenly you discover that you have this royal heritage. You've been adopted into this royal family. Your status is now that of a son or daughter of the King Most High. You see, your whole life, your mindset about how you just get by and get through and get the next job and carry on day to day, your whole approach to the future, all of that is flipped upside down when you realize who, realize who and whose you truly are. And that is sealed in adoption by the Holy Spirit. You see, you're not adopted for your good behavior. You're not adopted because you live a good life and you do all the things right. You're adopted because God wants you part of his family. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you're doing at the moment. You see, God, when he looks to you, he doesn't treat you according to your goodness. He treats you according to your greatness. He doesn't treat you according to your goodness, your behavior. He treats you according to your greatness, your status in his eyes. And so that is new families. The second part of this is new intimacy, new relationship. And Paul goes on to exchange that this doesn't just change your status. This changes your entire relationship with God. Romans 8, 15 um, and the rest of the verse. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear rather than the spirit that you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, that Holy Spirit, we cry Abba or Abba, Father. Abba, many of you know, but I'll, I'll re-explain it. Abba is a special word in Aramaic, and it has no direct translation in, in our language. Hence why it's often left in its original form in the Bible, Abba, Father. They're two different words. But Jesus used this in his relationship with God, and he says this amazing thing. He says, all of you, we, you, all of us can call our, our Father, uh, sorry, our God, Abba, Abba, you have this new relationship of intimacy. See, the word is not father in the simple biological sense. It's so much more intimate, so much more familiar. It's the closest thing we have to dad or daddy, but it's not just intimate. It's, it's also not childish. It's something that a fully grown man or fully grown woman could turn around to their father as a, as a, as a word or ref, uh, a way of referring to that person with deference, with respect, but with love and with intimacy, with relationship, endearment, affection. And so when God says, you can call me dad, you can call me other, come to me because you belong to me and you are mine, is the invitation he gets. 
Do you know, I often say to my girls, I've got three young girls, uh, nine, seven, and five. I have to keep on reminding them of that because I keep them getting older. Um, I often say to them, look, guys, you can call me whatever you want. You can call me, Dad. At the end of the day, when all your friends go home, when we're sitting in their room um, and I'm reading them a story or just telling them to go to bed, more the off letter, um, I say to them, you are the only people in this entire world, no one else, just you three, can call me dad, and that's it. Or you can call me whatever you want, and they call me dad, they call me daddy. This, most of the time, they call me Chad. I'm not entirely sure why Chad. If you watch Saturday Night Live, it's even more hilarious, but Chad is the name they've often ended up with. But you know, the Spirit invites us to do the same thing, you know, to call God our Father. Do you know, one of the things I find most precious about this whole experience, one of the things I find most powerful about this is it's not just a name, it is a relationship. You see, no matter how they are, no matter how well behaved, no matter how they've been, no matter what's gone on during that day, they will never fear losing me as their father. They know they can kick and scream. They know they can laugh and joke. They know that whatever happens, at the end of the day, they call me into their room because they want a hug from their father. Absolute certainty, absolute security. You know, they're, they're not deferential in private. They're not, they're often joking. They're often laughing. They're often playful and honest and sometimes whiny, but they are absolutely mine. They are secure in the reality that I am their dad and that will never change. You see, they're not afraid of losing their status because of the relationship that we have. They call me dad and they know me as their dad. You see, I know I'm not perfect. And I get reminded of this all the time from these wonderful kids. The other day, in fact, one of them turned around and said, Dad, you are just like Superman. I was like, why, thank you. And then they said, except the heroic bit. I was like, what? (laughs) That's not great, you know. But, you know, wonderful thing about our Father in heaven, the wonderful thing that the Holy Spirit reveals is that our Father in heaven is perfect. More than that, he is an absolute hero. You see, he's not the kind of father who just says, look, I'll die for my kids any day. He's a father that has died for his kids. He's a father that put his entire being, his entire life on the line because he loved us so much before we even knew him. He came into our lives. He came into the world. He paid off our debts. He redeemed us from our captor and he claimed us as as his. We belong to him forevermore. He placed the seal on us to say to the devil, look, if you ever mess with my child, I will mess with you. That one is mine. That child belongs to me. We have absolute certainty that we belong to God and we belong to him and that will never change. And that intimacy, that assurance, that security is what allows us to relax and be with him. It's that relentless love and commitment of Jesus brought to reality by the Holy Spirit that takes us beyond just being part of the family. It even takes us beyond being part of, into a new relationship and takes us into this place of a new experience. Romans 8.15 says this, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You see, the emphasis on this and this talk indeed is this is not just about an encounter with the Holy Spirit, but about an experience with the Holy Spirit. You see, this is where many of us, including myself, we get lost and disconnected from the Holy Spirit because many of us, 
you know, even during lockdown have felt, um, as I have, I'm sure, that we've just been going from busy week to busy thing to one thing to another, and then you've realized you've kind of slightly disconnected from God. And so what do you do? You try and go, I need to create a moment of, of magic. I need to put on some worship. I need to close the doors. I need to do whatever I can to connect with God again. And we get to the end of that, and maybe sometimes it's been amazing, and most of the time it's just like, okay, I've put in the time and nothing's changed. And it just feels dry again. But we look for encounters. We look for these moments of magic feeling when actually what we need is an experience, an ongoing familiar, familiarity that starts to become our new normality. You see, God doesn't just want to bump into us on a Sunday morning to find out how our week's been going. He wants to be there with us during the week, living every single moment with us. How many of us have sometimes just come to church and gone, I miss God, I felt disconnected, but I'll get to church and everything will be okay. And God is going, yeah, I love seeing you here. This is wonderful. I love us doing these moments together. But can I join you for the other six days as well? Can I walk with you every single moment with every single thing you're facing? You know, primarily and potently, I find that opening the Bible, opening this true story, and remember, this is my story, one of the things that I love doing is, is I open the Bible, and it doesn't matter how much I read, it could just be a chapter, but what I do is I take my journal and I rewrite the verse that I think is going to stand out to me, and as I'm rewriting it, it starts to become my reality. I start to think, how does this affect me in my life? How does this impact me in my day-to-day? How can I use this today when I'm talking to people? How can I express this and explain this? And as I'm doing that, as I'm writing these verses down, I'm starting to pray over them. I'm starting to pray this truth into my life. And the Holy Spirit brings it so much deeper. And I always have an intimate encounter with God. If I do that on a regular basis, it goes from being an encounter where there's one-off moments to being an experience where I'm walking with God throughout the day. You see, encounters stick with you, but experiences change you. And what do you want? Do you just want memories of things that happened? Or do you want something that transforms you from the inside out? You know, this is the difference between knowing God is, uh, is, is not just for us, but with us. You know, we can all imagine that God's going to be there to, uh, to, to be there in those important moments, to help us, to maybe cheer us on in the race. But actually imagining God is sitting at home with us when we're just in our jogging bottoms and just chilling out and doing absolutely nothing impressive. And it's at those moments that God loves being with us as well. He's not just there when we need help. He's there to remind us that we're never alone. You know, Bella was upset once, my oldest, uh, she's now nine, and uh, she was really upset, but she wouldn't tell me what the problem was, which is so infuriating. Just tell me what the problem is. I actually said to her, I said, look, if you just told me what the problem is, I can fix it, right? And then my other daughter, just the genius of the family, turned around and she just said, deadpan, she said, Dad, maybe she doesn't want you to fix it. In other words, maybe she just wants you to listen. Maybe she just wants to know that she's loved. Maybe that's enough. And I was hit by that. So, you know, even now I'm not still learning from it. But you know, one of the things that really taught me is that's what God's like. Yes, he can fix all those situations, but we don't need him to come and fix everything. We need to know that he's there with us, experiencing that with us, understanding where we're at and walking through those moments with us. That's when you know you've got a real relationship with someone. 
See, God is not just waiting for us to call on him to rescue us. He's providing that structure and foundation to mature us so that we can make these decisions, that we can live and we can grow and we can experience him and life in abundance. You know, absolutely, I love this example of the Holy Spirit when you talk about us being a balloon and it's like the Holy Spirit's the air that comes into the balloon and just inflates it into full shape. That's what it's like when the Holy Spirit enters our life. It just inflates us into who we're called to be, into who we're meant to be. You know, this process has a word called sanctification. I love what someone said. I can't remember his name. Um, but he said that sanctification is not just about a bad a person learning to be good. Sanctification is about a broken person learning to be whole. And that's the process. That's the desire of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit brings in that reality of God's love and Jesus' life into our reality. And he invites us into that new family. He invites us into that new intimacy, that relationship. And he invites us into that new experience. And then finally, of all of this, he reveals to us our new inheritance. In Romans 8, 17, it says, Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs to God and co-heirs with Christ. Again, under Roman law, not only would that adopted son take on that status and that privilege and that esteem, but it would also inherit the entire estate. As children of God, we are heirs, not just for a piece of land, not just for a house, not just for cars, but for so much more, the kingdom of God itself. We will enjoy this eternity of love with God now, we are called to absolute bring, absolutely bring justice and wholeness into this world, and we should never stop doing that while we're alive. But our confidence is not that this world is going to end up the perfect place, but our confidence is that heaven is that perfect destination. And so many others are invited to join in that place. This is more than something just to look forward to. God's inheritance, God's love, God's experiences are available to us today the problem is, is like the prodigal son, most of us want the inheritance without the relationship. We may not say that, we may not think that, but that's how we live our lives. We go, we just want God's answers. We just want God's things, but we'll, we'll have God when we need to. But actually, uh, as like the prodigal son shows us, that inheritance without relationship just ends up to everything being wasted. We waste these wonderful opportunities. We waste this life. You see, God is the great provider. I have no doubt that this is true. But the problem is, is we don't always know what to ask for. You see, what we do is we ask for money. We ask for that job that we know is going to be perfect for our lives. We ask for that partner who has just ticked all the boxes and it's going to be wonderful. These are all great things and God wants to give us the best. But each of those things brings their own challenges and trials and troubles. What we actually need is things like unconditional love and we need to know that someone is there and we can trust them. We need to know that we have a call to significance that goes beyond where I am currently working. We need to know that we have this underlying acceptance no matter how much we mess up, no matter how much we fail, that we're still loved and we're still accepted and we still have a future and a potential. With all of these things, we walk into them and when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, when we have all of those things I've just listed, we walk into a situation, a job, a relationship, and we impart life into it. But without those things, we just take life from it. The Holy Spirit wants to give us life that we may give it out 
into everything that we're connected into. Do you know, as a couple, Tara and I are aware that we won't receive an inheritance. That's something we thought about and processed, and it was painful initially to go, this is it. We are it. We're going to have to do this alone. And that's fine. We, We can work with that. It's just the reality of it. But over the years, what we've seen is God give us so much more than money could ever give us. You see, we live in a house that very rarely comes on the market. So incredible it is and the location that it is, you just wouldn't, you would struggle, even with all the money you had, to, to have that kind of location. It's just amazing. And we're in awe every single day of it. But our landlords are not just incredibly kind and they've given us, they're so generous, so much more than this. And so they often let us use their family uh, holiday home up in Norfolk, which is just in a beautiful place right next to all the, all the wonderful beaches. And it's just such an incredible gift. Now, a couple of years ago, we, uh, we wanted to use it. We asked them if we could use it. It's open just to family, but they've included us. And they said, well, I'm really sorry. You can't use it this year because uh, we're having building work done. And we we're like, do you know what? That's absolutely fine. We've, you know, we've used it. We've loved it. You will just make our own arrangements this year. And they said, well, you're welcome to use our other holiday home. I'm like, what? <laughs> Where's that? To Cornwall or someone? And they go, no, 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 it's, it's in the Azores. <laughs> Just give me a second while I Google where the Azores is. Um, turns out it's in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, basically, off of Portugal. It is this magnificent, it's like Hawaii of Europe. And we wouldn't even thought about going there. And so we looked at the dates and we thought, you know, the first week when our kids break up, that would be ideal. And so we asked them and they said, well, look, you know, our rental property on the land is not available that week, but why don't you just use our private residence instead? (laughs) Are you kidding me? Just blessing after blessing after blessing. So much more than money could have provided. We focus on those things we want, money, job, relationship, but God wants to give us so much more. Money is great and it's a great tool and it's good to have but God outgives money every single time, over and over and over again. When we're led by the Spirit, when we live by the Spirit, He will outgive it every single time for you and your family. I'm not just talking about um, you know you and your immediate family. I'm talking about the family, not even the family of God. If you remember the first point of this talk, is that everyone is invited into this family. See, God is wanting to bless you so you can go and bless other people. He's wanting to give you so much that you can give it away because you have way too much that you know what to do with in your own strength and your own time. God has so much for you that he has so much for everyone else and he wants to use you to give it out to everyone. That's what your inheritance is really for. You see, the reality of the Father's love and the reality of Jesus' life is for you, but it's for everyone else as well. You know, spiritual gifts is a great example. There's so many examples, but in 1 Corinthians 12, I'm not going to spend loads of time on it, but it has this list of spiritual gifts, gifts that are given by the Spirit, incredible gifts that that are part of your inheritance made available through the Spirit. The ability to pray for the sick and see them healed, as Jess was sharing earlier. The ability to prophesy and speak truth and life into someone's life and call these things out. The ability to perform miracles, that's pretty cool. And the ability to have discernment and to deliver messages of wisdom. All of these are part of your inheritance. All of these are gifts from the Spirit that he wants to give you. Now, once again, try and do these in your own strength. Try and achieve these in your own power, and you will fail over and over again, and you'll wonder why. 
but walking with the Spirit of God, you get to watch God, Jesus, do this every single day, all day long. You get to see him at work, and all you do is you just turn up and go, this is cool. Let me give you an example. We had a, um, my our youngest one, she was uh, last year or the year before, I can't remember what it was, uh, we had this momentous day where it was just me and her and she wanted boiled, egg, boiled eggs. Not a difficult thing unless you don't cook. Um, and so I, I, I did the right thing. I got the eggs out, put them in their pan, Googled exactly how long it should be because I'm also a perfectionist um, and just spent some time working this out. I got the eggs out. They were brilliant. They were perfect. Put them in the little egg trays, hammered away. They shell, got the shell off. This is simple for most of you, but for me, it was an accomplishment. And, um, and I, I just presented these beautiful eggs and, and then I cut them because she wanted them cut and they were just amazing. And it was like, you know, I've done so much more than this, but this was an amazing moment. And do you know what her reply was? She goes, Dad... After seeing me do all this, she goes, Dad, do you know what this is called? I was like, what, darling? She goes, this was teamwork. I was like, are you kidding me? I just did all that. Me. You just sit there and eat them. That's exactly what it's like with the Holy Spirit. We think we turn up and we sit there and we watch God do all these incredible things. We watch God perform these miracles. We watch God answer all these prayers. And we go, I did that. God's like, fine. We did it together. It's teamwork. God is inviting you to receive your inheritance, to partake in this teamwork that he has for you and with you because there's a family out there who don't know that they belong to a family. There's people out there that have no idea that they're wanted, that they're loved, that they're accepted, and they will never lose that ever again if they say yes. And he wants you to walk with his spirit and go out there into the world to bring those people home. And if you want to know how to be filled with the spirit, that's Jenna next week. So we'll leave it. Let me give you one thing. Let me just give you one thing that I find so crucial to this and so important to this. The absolute key behind all of this, I believe, is surrendering. You see, when I had a, I changed my car a few years ago, I went from an automatic to a manual, which is always hilarious if you ever do that. Um, you're sitting there, there's more pedals, there's more buttons, there's more, I don't even know what I'm doing here. Um, and so you sit, I was sitting in this car, and I've got used to it now, and then I did that thing where you approach a roundabout, and you go, I've got just enough time to get ahead of that car that's coming. And so foot to the floor almost, you know, press the accelerator down, and I just went very slowly forward. And I was like, what is going on here? This is ridiculous. And the car's getting close. Ah, I'm panicking. And push the foot even further down. Engine's revving. There's so much power going through this engine, so much power going through this motor, so much power, and I'm not going anywhere. And then I realized my foot was still on the clutch. And as I slowly lifted that clutch, boy, did that power fly. I mean, it was, it was, the car was coming and they're looking at me and I was like, I'm really sorry. And the next thing I know, I'm on the other side of the roundabout trying to apologise to someone else going into them. It was an amazing moment, but it was such a revelation. So many of us have our foot on the clutch. So many of us have that foot on control. 
There's so much power going through you right now if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. There is more power than you can possibly imagine, but you're controlling it. We are controlling it. And if we would just let go of that control, even just a little bit at a time, man, will we move. Will we fly forward? As the band come up, I'm just going to remind us what that could look like in reflection of this talk. Why don't you guys stand, actually? Let's turn this in just to a moment of receiving from God. You know, many of us have spent a whole life needing to hold control. Messed up family, messed up life, messed up situations. You have done everything you can to contain control because without it, everything's just going to fall apart. I get that. And this is a huge ask for you to, to let God take the will and take control. But for most of us, what it is, is we just spend lives wanting to be in control or Maybe we're afraid of offending God or messing up or making a mistake. Maybe we're afraid that we're, going to get afraid that we're just going to get rejected at some point. Uh, we've tried and failed in many of different areas and we've been rejected from relationships, from jobs, from other places where we thought we have, were, were safe and we had trust. But God is saying, I'm not like that. Jesus met a woman who had messed up big time. She had messed up her own life, messed up a life of those of another family and the community themselves. She knew it, she felt it, and she was surrounded by judgmental people who were not going to let her get away with it this time. Jesus gets called in to make the final judgment, the absolute lowest call. It's an easy one, right? She's, it's, she's rotten, she's hurt so many people, she deserves punishment. But do you know what? Instead of facing her with a scornful look, and judging her, he turns to the accusers, and one by one, they walk away. We all know that the law, the world itself, says, hey, go and be perfect. Go and don't make any mistakes. Go and sin no more, and I won't condemn you. I won't judge you. And in that moment, Jesus flipped it all over. He says, I don't condemn you. Therefore, don't do any mistakes, don't mess up, don't, do, you know, don't go and sin anymore. But know this, I do not condemn you and I never will. For there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus when you have life in the Spirit. In fact, it was just a little bit earlier that Jesus was talking to Nicodemus about how we must be born of the Spirit and he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Today, God is calling you to surrender, to lift your foot even just a little bit today off that clutch. Maybe not the whole way, that's fine. It'd be a crazy jolt if you did just a little bit more than you have, a little bit more, a little bit more. Perhaps for some of you, you've never realized that this family, this story is for you. Well, today, without any hesitation, without any doubt, I'm saying it is for you. And if you want to say yes to being part of that family, then just say yes where you are at home or in the room. Just say yes in your heart to Jesus right now. Perhaps you've been living your life in fear of messing up, not making God angry, but 
disappointing him, of being rejected. God is saying to you, just like I said to my kids, I will never stop being your dad. Call me Abba. Call me Father. That will never change. Perhaps you've felt distant from God recently. And you try to have an encounter with him. You've tried to revisit your first love. You've tried to create that perfect encounter, that space. And it's not been working. He's saying to you, I do not want to pass an encounter with you. I want an experience with you. I want to do life with you. I want to walk with you, love you, live with you. I want to sit next to you all day, every day, whatever you're doing. And finally, perhaps you've felt a bit dry and samey recently. Everything feels the same. Nothing seems to be changing. No matter what you do, no matter how much time and you dedicate to something, it just feels the same. God is reminding you today of your inheritance that's available. He will provide so much more than you can imagine. He is not constrained by your imagination. He's not constrained by your circumstances. He will provide. And it will be overflowing, not just for you, but for your family and the family to come. Surrender to him and watch him perform those wonders and get ready to shout, that was teamwork. God loves you. And as my kids call him, bless you, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill each and every single one of us in this moment. We're not looking for an encounter. We're not looking for just that moment. We are saying, God, today, this day, I'm going to take you with me. This isn't just about a wonderful worship and a talk. I'm taking you with me this week, God, and we're going to do life together because you're my Father and you will never reject me. I'm going to surrender to you. Come, Holy Spirit. Bless you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to step out the way now and do what I do best, which is watch God at work. Let's just encounter and experience the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord.